Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So we have kind of an interesting development, I would say, in the recruitment of five-star quarterback Arch Manning. Now, you may hear this if you're not a Georgia fan and say, ah, B.A., this is just your own bias speaking. This is confirmation bias. You're just hearing what you want to hear. And maybe that's the case. And admittedly, this is not necessarily proof of anything. But boy, it does seem to be a little bit of an echo for something we've been saying quite some time around here that the recruitment of five-star quarterback Arch Manning, which is ongoing, Manning visited Georgia officially at the beginning of the month of June, was just at Alabama this past weekend, heads towards Austin for this upcoming weekend. Temperatures expected to be 100-something degrees there, although it's also 100 a day in Georgia. So so maybe not so much of an advantage when it comes to the heat on all of that. But the point is, is that with Georgia, Alabama, and Texas fighting over Manning, with Alabama already taking a quarterback commitment from Eli Holstein, kind of a, you know, sort of a top 100 ready recruit, you know, pretty big player in his own right, seemingly eliminating Alabama, coming down to Georgia versus Texas, we believe. You know, we just sort of think that all of this is a little bit of an indicator of where college football is heading. And while you want to win a recruitment for for a quarterback like Manning and you like the the prestige that comes your way, if you're able to add such a famous last name in your recruiting class, I think it's also a signal of what the future years in the sport could look like. Texas wants to prove it's back. Uh, but if they can't get Arch Manning, then how back are they really? Or if they were to win with Arch Manning, maybe that does kind of show you that Texas really is back and Texas really is going to be something under Steve Sarkeesian. On the Alabama side of this, you know, it has been the dominant program in college football for quite some time. If they were to win the, the, the battle for Arch Manning, they would have reason to believe, hey, we're going to be just as dominant in the future as we've been in the present. Or if Georgia were to win this, they would say, Maybe our 2021 national championship is just an example of us getting started here, that that we've got even greater success to come in the future. And obviously, uh, a recruiting battle win for a guy like Arch Manning would be a real punctuation mark on a statement like that. So that's why we have kind of believed that the Manning recruitment is what we've called kind of a bellwether. It is an indication of what the rest of the, uh, the, the very near future in college football might look like. And we've also predicted pretty emphatically that we think that Manning is going to come to UGA. And it's interesting how um, how I think the belief that, that we have about that, and by we, I mean both sort of like editorially as part of Dog Nation Daily, but also a significant pocket of Georgia fans seem to think that Manning is going to come to UGA. It's interesting, those of us inside the bubble of Dog Nation on this seem to have a viewpoint that is just so different than so much of the the rest of the country when it comes to Manning's recruitment, where I think it's been generally assumed, well, he'll probably go to a place like Texas. Uh, he'll probably go to a place like Alabama. You know, why would he go to Georgia? As an example of this, I'm going to play a clip, and I, th- I think I played this for you the other day. This is probably more bombastic than it needs to be, but it still mirrors the opinion that's out there that because Georgia's had, you know, former walk-on Stetson Bennett, a quarterback, because it hasn't had the dynamic, prolific offense that other programs have had, that that ultimately it's probably destined not to get a guy like Manning because why would a guy like Manning go to a place like Georgia given all the things that I just mentioned? As a way of setting up the counter argument to this, let me let you hear a guy named R.J. Young from Fox Sports. We thought this was silly, but it's a placeholder for a, a line of commentary that's been out there. So before we get into the new stuff, let me give you a little bit of a reminder about what the country has been saying about why a guy like Manning probably won't go to UGA. This is R.J. Young. Arch Manning probably needs to know about Georgia, right? Start with this. Georgia's been a quarterback graveyard. It is where QB careers have gone to die. There hasn't been a 3,000-yard passer at Georgia since Aaron Murray accomplished that feat 2014, 2013, which is ridiculous when you think about this, but also that's the way that Kirby Smart has built his program, where the quarterback does not feature The quarterback is an asset to the entire football team. While you might say, hey, RJ, didn't Georgia just set the record for the most NFL draft picks in any single year? Yeah, they did. Now, which one of those guys was a quarterback? None of them. You are also talking about a place 
that has washed through Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, Justin Fields, Brock Vandergriff, and Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton are all out there on the vine. JT Daniels came through there, got a few starts and left. Jamie Newman didn't even start and left. And now that Stetson Bennett has decided to make his return, you have to really look at that quarterback depth chart and wonder when you're going to get your shot. So that's ridiculous. We said at the time, that's probably the worst take on the internet regarding the Manning recruitment. But we played that for you for a specific reason because it really does stand as a line of thought that's out there of, well, of course Manning's not going to Georgia because of what the Georgia track record has been at quarterback. And once the Manning family does their due diligence, or assuming they do do their due diligence, they'll recognize that Georgia doesn't offer them what they want or offer them what they need. That's been the thought process that's out there. But the point that we've been making counter to that for quite some time is, you don't think the Manning family's already done its due diligence? And you don't think the Manning family hasn't already dug deep into what all the programs they would truly consider, what those programs offer? And maybe, just maybe, the fact that Manning and his camp have gone as far down the road as they have with George is indication that goofballs like RJ Young or whoever else that's out there, that maybe they don't fully understand what actually is going on right now in terms of the Manning recruitment, or maybe what's actually is going on when it terms when it comes to college football in general. That actually the situation for Georgia is actually stronger than it's been portrayed to be, and that Georgia is a landing spot far more attractive than it's been given credit for. And as a way of kind of backing this up more, let me bring in the words of Philip Fulmer here for a moment. Now before I show you this quote on the screen, let me kind of set all this up so you understand but many of you are obviously very well aware that years ago fulmer won a recruiting battle for a different manning for peyton manning and manning obviously gone went on to be one of the most decorated players in tennessee program history but because of all of that and the offensive coordinator that worked with him at the time david cutcliffe uh fulmer has a strong relationship with the Manning family, knows the family very well, very, very, you know, very well. Arch Manning never really considered Tennessee, but that doesn't change the fact that Fulmer knows the Manning camp here pretty, pretty well. And so recently, Fulmer was a guest in a show called Outkick 360. It's one of the shows, I guess, that uh, the website Outkick the Coverage is a part of there. This is a show that's actually based out of the state of Tennessee. So there's a little bit of a tie there to Fulmer and all this. And the subject of our Arch Manning came up. Now, we've told you many times that the Manning recruitment is an indication of where college football is heading. And with that as the backdrop for all of this, the words from Fulmer here are pretty interesting. I don't have the audio to play for you, but I want to read the quote here uh, coming from Outkick 360. Uh, This is Fulmer saying, the Mannings have a plan. I haven't talked to Cooper about this, but I have talked with Peyton just in general. So what what Philip Fulmer is about to tell you according to him, comes secondhand from Peyton Manning and all this. He says, those folks know the ropes around college athletics. They know a lot of people. They can find out about information they want to know. Listen to what he says here. The stability of programs, the longevity of coaches, all those things more than most, Fulmer says they're able to find out. Once again, that's a quote from former Tennessee coach Philip Fulmer to a show called Outkick 360 from Outkick the Coverage. Now, isn't this very interesting? You know, you have, you know, loud mouths on the Internet saying uh, Arch Manning needs to learn something about Georgia. Philip Fulmer says they have more ability to learn more about these programs because of how savvy they are, because of how many times that pro that that family has been through this recruiting process. They have more ability to learn more about these programs than you could ever imagine. More, more, more resources to do you know, true due diligence where they dig deep and find out what's actually going on. They have more ability to do that than could ever be possibly imagined, maybe more so uh, than the average recruit. And what they're looking in on, according to what Philip Fulmer says he heard from Peyton Manning, two phrases. Now, maybe Fulmer used these specifically intentionally, or maybe they just sort of slipped out. But we're going to take him at face value at least a little bit. He mentions the can, can I see the quote one more time because I'll make sure I, I say it exactly right. He mentions the stability of the program. He mentions the longevity of the coaches. Those two phrases would really matter to me. One for one program, one for another. The thing we've said about Texas before is Texas is just too weird for Arch Manning. The motto of the city of Austin, the the 
the city where the University of Texas is located is Keep Austin Weird. That may be good if you want to kind of create sort of your bohemian vibe, cosmopolitan vibe, whatever, you know, hipster type vibe you're trying to create for your city. But does the Manning family look like they want weird? And it's not just the city of Austin, by the way, that's weird. UT itself comes across a little weird sometimes, too. How much infighting have you seen that program over the course of the last couple of years? Players calling out other players, coaches calling out players, uh, just a lot of drama. It is a little bit of a drama factory. And that lack of stability, more noise being made off the field than on the field, that doesn't speak to a great deal of stability for for a head coach like Steve Sarkeesian especially given the fact that in this past NFL draft, they had zero players drafted. That also speaks to a certain level of instability. We have said around here, that's a level of instability that uh, a family like the Mannings is likely to notice. And I'm sure that Texas will put forth the great official visit for uh, Manning and his family here this year, or I should say this upcoming weekend. I'm sure they'll put their best foot forward. I'm sure they'll have some sort of big NIL offer, although thus far Texas seemingly hasn't been as involved with that as some people think they uh, would be. But ultimately, we just believe the University of Texas is just too weird, too too, uh, unstable to go back and use the word that former used for Manning to ultimately choose that school. And then beyond that, what's maybe even more interesting, and this has seemingly been apparent there for a while, when Fulmer talks about knowing about longevity of coaches, there's a chance that Fulmer just said that off the cuff, that he didn't really mean what he said. But ultimately, the fact that Alabama hasn't been more of a true player in the Manning recruitment, they got a chance to host him for an official visit, but that was seemingly a formality given the fact that Alabama's already taken a quarterback commit for the cycle. The fact that Alabama seemingly was so quickly eliminated from the Manning recruitment, even as one of his three finalists, to me is a strong indication that Nick Saban is very near the end of his coaching tenure. And a Manning family, I believe, likely is very full aware that Saban won't be there for the full extent of Manning's college career, assuming it lasts three or four years, that Nick Saban won't be there the entire time. And a Manning family, as Fulmer says, who has the ability to dig deep on this kind of stuff, learn more than the average recruit might be able to learn because of the experience they have going through these kinds of things, they're able to just sort of see through whatever facade might exist for Alabama and recognize, oh, this is a coach who's 70. This is a coach whose career, one way or another, is about to come to an end. And therefore, this is probably not a place that we really want to be. And that's why around here, we've always believed that Georgia has been far more a significant player in the Manning recruitment than kind of common opinion, sort of mainstream folks have probably given it credit for. That Georgia has the reigning national champion, which did just produce 15 draft picks, uh, maybe great at every position but quarterback. Eventually, it was going to get the great quarterback. And a guy like Manning, when he looks around, says, why wouldn't I come to a place like this? It literally has everything that I've said that I've wanted. And ultimately, we believe that's the choice that Arch Manning is going to make. And when he does, not only will Georgia have itself potentially a great quarterback for the future, but it will also serve as a reminder that Georgia in 2021 with the national championship it just won, maybe it really is just getting started. And for all the bluster at Texas, their notion of being back, they may have to wait a little longer for that. And whatever Alabama has been, under Nick Saban, that truly is about to be a has-been situation that in the future program, or I should say recruits, just kind of look and see, ooh, I'm not quite so sure how long that coach is still going to be here anymore. That the Manning recruitment is interesting because the player who he is, but also the arrow that points in the direction where college football is heading. And it could be an arrow pointing up for the George Bulldogs. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Breda Pest Management. We're happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start at 945 as well for our first and 15 on dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. And so we're happy to have you if you join us on video. Radio, of course, I have in sports radio, 960 The Ref, every day at noon. Podcast, the Apple Player, Spotify, all the various podcast platforms there as well. We're happy to have you tuning in there too. The podcast platform just continues to blow up for us. And so uh, I'm proud of that because that's the place where this show started. And so the fact that we're still uh, kind of uh, blowing and going in the podcast is always one of those things that uh, fills me with a great sense of pride. So thank you so much for that. And a huge thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management for making the show possible for you here today. You hear us talk about Breda all the time. They're the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That means they're taking 
taking care of all those UGA athletic venues, keeping them termite-free, pest-free, and they want to do the same thing for you there as well. And it's time today for you to make the switch to Breda Pest Management so they can provide you that service but also so they can save you money instantly. This is the thing that right now is so important to all of us. We are, I mean, my gosh, uh, I just got back from vacation and I'm thankful to be able to take one. Not everybody can right now, I realize that, but when you're traveling around and you're filling up your gas tank or you're buying dinner or whatever else, you just realize, gosh, everything is just seemingly twice as expensive as it was not all that long ago. And so you're leaning in to places where you have a chance to maybe make things a little less expensive, where you can save money. That's why making the switch to Breda Pest Management is so important here. You may be getting that letter every single year from your pest control provider about, hey, rates going up. This is more expensive than it used to be. It's not going to happen at Breda Pest Management. They're going to save you money. They're going to put more money, more money back in your pocket. That's a thing that's important. You need that right now. So check them out online, BredaPest.com. That's B R. R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. They can save you money instantly when you switch your pest control provide, uh, service over to them. All right, we're going to bring in Mike Griffith here coming up in just a moment. Also, we have a very special guest on the show today there as well. Before we're done, we're going to have former Georgia running back Keith Marshall on the show today. And this is going to be really fun because uh, Keith is involved with the Players Lounge. That's a really creative organization that's creating some... NIL opportunities for Georgia players, and increasingly they're doing this around the country there as well with other programs, but here at UGA is what you care about. And so with that in mind, they've got a really big event coming up with one of their guys that I want you to be aware of. This is going to be really fun, something cool they're doing with Kendall Milton. So Keith's going to tell us about that a little bit. But also, it's going to be good to catch up with Keith because yesterday on the show, we talked a lot about the outlook for Georgia at the running back position and why we believe that the Georgia running backs, Milton included, have a chance to provide a real value add for uh, UGA here this year. Keith obviously knows the program, knows the position, and we'll get his opinion on that, kind of furthering the discussion we began yesterday. We'll do some of that with Keith Marshall here coming up in just a bit. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse, and I think it's really interesting. There is a conversation that's been ongoing, and we do this you know, a good bit uh, this time of year, but it's been kind of interesting to watch the debate kind of flourish here the last couple of days. So, we like lists. Don't make any apologies. Uh, don't make any apologies for it. You know, the top running backs, the top wide receivers, the top whatever, the top coaches as well. We just like those kinds of lists this time of year. I think truly the way in which a sports fan shows his love for sports is through arguments, right? Good-natured arguments, things like that. But but getting in here and having takes and debating and talking about what's going to happen or what should be this, that's just the way in which sports fans kind of show their love for sports, especially college football fans this time of year because we're still inside 100 days from the start of the season. we got to do something to pass the time. So arguing about things gives us a way of doing that and creating lists, as artificial as they are, just kind of becomes the sort of fodder we need to have the college football conversation we all kind of want to have. So so the other day we talked in the show about the CBS sports ranking of the top coaches in college football. Kirby Smart at number two on that list. And there's been another one of these lists that's been kind of shared now. And we may have uh, the guy who made this on the show here eventually because, you know, with time to time we'll get a chance to speak to him. His name is Bill Bender from the Sporting News on his list of top coaches in college football he actually made a kind of an interesting decision as it involves kirby smart cbs had uh nick saban of course at number one which i think is totally fair uh smart at number two Dabo swinney below that at number three but when the sporting news list led written by bill bender when it came out he had Dabo ahead of smart and seemingly this is all on the base of the fact that Dabo's won two national championships and kirby smart has won one now listen if you're simply counting national championships, no one can argue with basic arithmetic, right? That Swinney's won more uh, national championships than Smart. And we do believe there's a huge chasm between, you know, coaches who win that national title and coaches who find a way to win that second national title. That's that's a pretty big jump. And in fact, it's not quite as big a jump as going from zero to one. But it's a pretty big doozy in and of itself of essentially doubling your national championships going from one to two. I mean, if you look at the category of coaches who only have one national championship, that is not necessarily that distinguished of a list. Not every coach who's won a national championship is believed to be a great coach. But I would say pretty much every coach who's won two national championships going back through the history of college football you know, that, that probably signifies your greatness. That probably puts you in that kind of rare conversation. So there is something to winning two national championships that I don't really want to discount here. And if that's 
the only criteria you want to use. And of course, you'd rank Sweeney ahead of smart. But in this discussion, the thing I'm reminded of is this. You ever watch TV and those like Wall Street type investment commercials come on and they're always telling you about, you know, all the stuff they're going to do for you. But at the end, they have to give you the disclaimer. And sometimes you hear me give a disclaimer, too, I guess. But at the end, they have to sort of give you the disclaimer. And the disclaimer they always give you is, hey, past performance is not indicative of future results. And sometimes that really is true in football there as well. That just because Sweeney has won more than smart in the past, there is no guarantee that is likely to continue into the future. And I think that's one of the things that does make this upcoming season so fascinating is that Clemson last year seemed to fall off its perch a bit. Prior to the 2021 season, you would say, oh, yeah, rubber stamp Clemson in the playoff each and every year, along with an Alabama or whatever else. Clemson would be one of those teams you'd say that for. But after Clemson lost to Jordan week one last year, this program just seemed to erode a bit. They didn't have a Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson at quarterback anymore. And when they dealt with a few injuries, you kind of were left to say, man, this overall roster strength just isn't quite what it was. This is a team that is just thinner from a talent perspective than we're used to seeing it be. And at the end of last season, even though Clemson kind of rebounded, actually ended up being a pretty good team last year. I think a lot of folks were left to say, wait, is Clemson still Clemson? And is the leader of this program Dabo? Is it still Dabo? This to me is one of the fascinating subplots of this upcoming season. That yes, Dabo has won more than Kirby has won. And maybe he'll lean on that experience to get back in the playoff here this year. But I'm not quite so sure that in this case, his past performance really is indicative of what his future results are going to be. There's a lot I do like about Dabo, but you have to admit he's been slow to embrace a lot of the trends and the direction that college football seems to be heading. And Kirby, even though he kind of has his own way about doing this kind of stuff, has seemingly embraced some of that just a little bit more. He clearly has not seen the roster erosion that uh, Clemson seemed to deal, deal with. And it seems like to me it's a matter of time, whether it happens in 2022 or sometime in the future, that Kirby at least matches Dabo in terms of winning his second national championship. And maybe he might eventually win more. So the bottom line on all this is it's kind of a fun debate. I don't know that there's an obvious answer to it. But just because Dabo's won more championships in the past, I don't think that necessarily guarantees anything about the future. And right, In fact, right now, I sort of feel like the coach that has the brightest future would be Kirby. And I don't think it's only Georgia fans who feel that way. So that is Around the Doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management here today. I told you before. We will uh, let you hear from Georgia running back Keith Mar, former Georgia running back Keith Marshall, before we're done on the program today. That is always a really fun discussion to be a part of. Uh, Keith's involved with the Players Lounge, big event they've got coming up, but also some interesting thoughts on the Georgia running back room. We'll do some of that with Keith before we're all said and done. We'll give you an update as well on a five-star Georgia recruiting target who just took a big visit to UGA, but now taking another high-profile visit heading towards this week. We'll talk about that some here too. It is all on the way, but for now, the latest involving Georgia football, all the stuff going on in the program, our first chance to talk to him live now in a couple of weeks. So let's do that with our buddy Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. I want to bring in Mike Griffith here here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. Always a great chance to get an opportunity to uh talk to him and you know mike i want to bring you in on first of all thanks for being with us here today but i want to bring you in on a discussion i was just having what do you think about the comparison between Dabo swinney and kirby smart like i do get the idea that Dabo's won two national championships and i don't i don't view that as an insignificant accomplishment i think going from one to two is almost as big a jump for a coach as going from zero to one there are a lot of average coaches who've won one national championship there aren't very many duds who've won two so i respect what Dabo has done but i don't know that's necessarily much of a guarantee about his future and right now i would say that clemson's one of those programs kind of teetering on the brink of are they still elite or are they not so i just kind of gave some of my thoughts on the kirby Dabo thing there a little bit how would you compare these two guys as coaches two guys who are contemporary rivals there as well but how would you compare these two coaches at the moment yeah it's interesting i'm with you i think you know i think clemson's in a precarious place um you know a lot of newness there you know their athletic director left and went to miami i think uh he was a big part of of clemson's rise Uh, dabble has two coordinators to replace and a lot of uncertainty at quarterback which is uh, a key position and 
Um, you know, probably, you know, the determining position of last year's Clemson Georgia game was, you know, quarterback. Um, so I, you know, I think that to your point, uh, I think it's a, um, it's a fair, it's an interesting comparison for sure. Uh, you know, the thing that, um, favors Georgia is the momentum. I mean, they're in the national championship program. I think, uh, being the, the state school of Georgia, uh, where there's all these recruits in state and, and Kirby's, uh, proven ability to recruit. Um, certainly gives Kirby a, a leg up in that respect. Uh, it is harder in the SEC uh, to win a national championship because of the competition within the league. So, I, I, you know, but, but harder doesn't mean better. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't you rather be in a league where you almost get the automatic bye to the playoff every year? I mean, you know, the 2018 Georgia team, I think, was one of the four best and didn't get in because of whatever politics. There's never been a two-loss team to make the playoff, and so – um, as things stand, um, you know, that, that's kind of a hurdle for Georgia. I think the Georgia schedule um, is probably um, on par with Clemson's, if not a, a bit harder. So, uh, you know, I kind of I kind of hedge because, I, you know, what Dabo's done, he did it his way. He didn't he, he didn't go by the book of Nick Saban. Right. I mean, this is all this is all Dabo. This is all Clemson. It's a very unique style. Um, how does it work with the NIL? Um, retention, player retention, player relations. Um, you know, I think there's a uniqueness that you got to give Dabble credit for, and the fact that that he kind of did it his way. That they really were the only ones. I think they beat Alabama twice. Yep. Um, you know, you know, he really beat Alabama. You know, it, you know, Ohio State did it once, but it, you know, Georgia split with him last year. I, I think Dabble has been the guy that's probably had the most success uh, against Saban. So I think you got to give him probably an, a slight advantage over Kirby there, but I think you give Kirby an advantage in recruiting, uh, staff, and momentum. So you know, if I were ranking him today, I would rank. I'd, if I were ranking him today, I'd have Kirby number one. I don't even know, understand why we're, why people are arguing about this. I mean, Kirby's program won the national championship and produced more NFL players than had ever been pr- produced before in, in history in one draft. So. To me, that puts Kirby at the top right now. Uh, but I think if, if we're talking about great coaches, Brandon, you know, I think, I think you can throw a, a, a net over, you know, three or four guys and Dabo and Kirby and Nick Saban are, are probably, you know, for sure in, in anybody's top three or four. Okay, so you brought this up when – and listen, I like lists. I think it's fun to debate this stuff. And when, like, the list came out the other day where, like, Saban's ranked number one, you actually kind of brought this up uh, on that. And we never really got a chance to talk about this. So since you just brought it up, I'll bring it up now. I mean, for me, it goes without saying, I've got no problem with Nick Saban currently being ranked ahead of, of Kirby Smart. Kirby's only beaten him the one time. Uh, Alabama's going to be preseason number one right now. I mean, Mike, to me, it kind of reminds me of, I do a little play-by-play every now and then. And I think most good play-by-play announcers will say, when it comes to the way in which you call a game, you want to give yourself somewhere to go. In other words, if you're very, very excited about every single play, when something truly exciting happens, you don't have a higher plane to get to and you don't properly convey the excitement of that moment if you've been just as excited about lesser plays that have happened before that and i use that analogy on the kirby Saban comparison there as well i mean to me there is something to be gained for kirby individually if he could beat nick saban again this year when a lot of folks think they can't do it when a lot of folks are going to say that alabama ought to be favored over georgia even though georgia won the national championship last year you know to say that kirby's already overtaken saban with so many folks thinking that he can't beat him here this year you're not giving yourself anywhere for kirby to go you're not really i would say properly conveying the value that would come from being him again this year by saying that he's already overtaken him just simply on the basis of just one game a year ago yeah i look at it different you know i I, you know whose best isn't you know when i think about the, the heavyweight champion boxer of the world right now um i can't tell you who it is but i would take him over mike tyson in a fight right now True. because mike tyson's True. in his 50s and you know when i think about the best nfl quarterback i, I know we, we, we talk about tom brady's rings but if i were going to start a team i think i'd start with josh allen over tom brady so you know i i look at i look at it a little differently now if you're talking about an all-time list well then of course nick saban has seven national championships and you know, he's on the Mount Rushmore of, of coaches. But if you were an athletic director that was going to hire a coach tomorrow, do you hire the 46-year-old Kirby Smart or do you hire the 70-year-old Nick Saban? So if you're so friend, I look at, 
well, if, I look at if, it a little differently. Yeah, respect. if you're framing it that way, I definitely 100% agree with you. I think the entirety of our audience would there too. Uh, when you frame it that way, I'm right there with you on that. But if we frame it more along the lines of which coach is better positioned to have his team win a national championship this season, would you not agree with me that a lot of folks kind of outside the bubble of where we're speaking right now, they still think that's Saban and that gives Kirby, I would say he doesn't care about this kind of stuff, I don't think, but if he wanted to be ambitious in this regard, that gives him something to shoot for that there are a lot of people who have moved the goalpost on him. He won the national championship last year, but there are a lot of folks saying, oh, let's see if he can come back and do it again. Uh, Alabama is going to be angry. They're going to be out looking for, for revenge that while the future of the sport clearly belongs to Kirby more so than it belongs to Saban, there are a lot of people who believe that Saban is still the better architect of a program right now. Yeah, that's, you know, that's tough. You know, and the way Kirby thinks, I mean, it's, you know, every year it's, it's a race to the championship. You know, his, his concept is to, you know, put a team that's, you know, kind of like NASCAR, Brandon, you know, you want to, you want to have one of those four or five cars that are capable of winning a race and see if you can keep your fenders clean and, 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 you know, be in the right uh, draft line on the, on the last lap. And I think that's how Kirby looks at it with his, with his programs. I mean, the, the 2017 team, the 2018 team, as well as this year's team, we're all capable of winning the national championship. I think if you put the 2017 team or the 2018 Georgia team up against that Alabama team last year, they'd beat them too. But if you put this year's team against the uh, the 2019 LSU team, I don't think they would have beaten Joe Burrow. So, I, but I think what you do is you, you try to have a championship program every year, and I think that's how Kirby approaches it. You know, over the test of time, I mean, look, Kirby is, like I said, Kirby, Dabo, Saban, all those programs every year. I mean, even Clemson, even though they lost to Georgia in the opener, they still finished the second best uh, defense to Georgia in the country. And, you know, that was a pretty good program. They, they had another stumble early, but, um, you know, it, it just, you know, to your point, does it give somewhere for Kirby to go? I, I suppose, but I know he doesn't, he doesn't look at it that way. He looks at it like be your best every second, every minute, every hour, every day. And, you know, that's the motivation. The, the motivation is, you know, the whole win. What's important now, right? I mean, he's in the moment. You know, sorting it out, though, you know, for us to do the rankings, I mean, I, Georgia's a championship. They're an annual championship contender. You know, they're, they're there with, uh, I think, Ohio State is there. I think Clemson is still there, although, to your point, I think they're wobbled a little bit after missing the playoff last year for the first time, what, in six years, something like that. So we wonder, do they get back? Could somebody potentially overtake them in the ACC? Um, I think Ohio State, even though Michigan passed them, I, I think that was an outlier. The, you know, cold weather game, uh, to me, the Ohio State looks like a clear threat. Um, but it, it's really hard for me to think in, in those terms. And, yeah, to your point, I think most people assume Alabama, uh, including myself, by the way, think Alabama will win the national championship. But, but that's almost a cyclical deal, right? I mean, so last year – Bama had to replace six first-round draft picks, and I think they were all seniors. And I think two of the, what, five Heisman Trophy finalists. So you kind of thought, well, they got a lot to replace. They might cycle down a little bit. Well, they cycled all the way down to runner-up in the country. Um, now the question is, Georgia, well, they just, they just lost more guys than anybody ever. Fifteen draft picks, 11 guys in the portal, seven of them out of the two deep. Four of them were former starters. And, and then Kirby lost four out of ten coaches on his staff. So I think this is a really big year, and this kind of goes with what you're saying. I think this is a really big year for Georgia and Kirby Smart uh, to show their staying power. If Georgia can somehow, some way, uh, find their way back to the uh, you know SEC championship game and, and play Alabama competitively or make it back to the college football playoff, boy, that would say a lot about their program. But, but. If they miss the playoff, if they lose two or three games, I'm not writing them off because, I, you know, it's a cyclical deal, right? I mean, teams cycle up and cycle down uh, with the amount of players they return, injuries, and sometimes just the break of a schedule when you play somebody and how good they are, where you play them at. So what's funny is, and we can finish with this if, uh, if you'd like, but I actually think right now going into the upcoming season, Georgia's probably a little undervalued from at least one vantage point in that – there are probably more perceived top-end players on this roster right now. Now, hear, hear what I'm saying. 
more perceived top-end players than maybe the perception was going into last season where a lot of the guys that truly emerged as first-round pick type guys, huge contributor type guys, they weren't necessarily projected that way before the beginning of last season. There was a lot of absence of that chatter before last season began. It happened over the course of the year. But if you look at where you're starting right now with you know, everybody kind of viewing, uh, you know, Brock Bowers as sort of a future first round pick, first team all SEC guy on the offensive side. I think at least one offensive lineman uh, probably in that discussion, if not more than one defensively, obviously Jalen Carter, you know, Keely Ringo, Christopher Smith, Nolan Smith. There's actually more probably if you want to measure it in terms of like first team all SEC guys, there's probably more perception of that on this team right now to begin the year than existed last year. So from that standpoint, I think people may be sleeping on Georgia a little bit as the defending national champs. Well, you know, I think I could go either way with it. I would agree with you, uh, you know, because last year was hilarious that the USA Today uh, network didn't have any Georgia offensive or defensive players, first team all SEC. I think Jake Camarda was the only one that the USA Today panel of experts, quote unquote, air quotes around that. Uh, and then even in Hoover. Um, you know, the preseason, all I think Jordan Davis was the only guy on defense on Jake, Jake Camarda. So to your point, last year's team was very, very undervalued. Um, you know, Trayvon Walker hadn't even started a game, and he ended up being the number one overall pick. Quay Walker had never started a game. He ended up being a first-round draft pick. So, uh, you know, to your point, last year's team was tremendously undervalued. Um you know, I, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I don't think Keely Ringo is one of the two best cornerbacks in the country, okay? But but I see him on All-American teams as a first-team All-American. I don't think he's a first-team All-American. I think he made a great play, but I would venture to say there's probably two cornerbacks that are better. I, I don't put Nolan Smith yet in the same conversation with Aziz Adjilari, uh and, and uh, Trayvon Walker. I, I, I'm not convinced of that yet. Potentially, yeah. Um Christopher Smith, uh, is he a true star? Is he a guy we're going to see lining up starting in the NFL like Lewisine? I'm not sure about that. So I would actually say I think some of the, from an individual standpoint, especially defense, I think these guys benefited a lot from having five first-round picks around them. I, I don't know. The question about this year's team, regardless of whether – these guys are first-team All-Americans or second-teams All-Americans. I mean, they're great. They're obviously great players that they wouldn't be at Georgia to start with. But when we talk about, you know, first-team All-American, I mean, that's some pretty rare air. The question I have, Brandon, about this year compared to the last two or three years is the quality of depth. Mm -hmm. And I'll take you back to 2018. And the reason that Georgia didn't beat Alabama and play in the college football playoff in 2018 is because they didn't have championship depth. When DeAndre Walker went down with an injury, Bretton Cox was not ready. He had the same mistakes with his inability to contain and play discipline on the edge that he did earlier in the year when he exchanged punches with DeAndre Walker in a game against Middle Tennessee State because he still was making the same mistakes. He didn't contain, and Jalen Hurts beat him, and that beat Georgia because he beat him more than once. We were sitting right next to each other. Five-star, whatever, Cox wasn't ready. Championship depth was not there. They lost to Alabama because they didn't have a quality backup at that position. What is the depth like this year? That is the question. Not the front line, because I think the front line is fine. I, I put Georgia's, I'll roll Georgia's front line out there with anybody. My question is what happens when you get into that second-team linebacker, when you get into that number three or number four cornerback, or that number three safety? You know, we saw Dan Jackson get exploited pretty bad by Alabama in the SEC title game. Thank goodness Kirby changed the scheme up a little bit the second time they played Bama. And, and guys in the secondary weren't exploited. I mean, my goodness, Latavius Brainy went from a celebrated uh, guy that came out of nowhere to back to nowhere to in the transfer portal, right? Whatever happened to him? Whatever happened to that guy? You know, so I wonder about the depth this year and the answers that Georgia has when attrition, not offensively so much, because the offensive line to me is the best in the country. The, the running backs are as good as anybody in the SEC. Uh, and I think, obviously, this tight end group is legendary. I don't know if there's ever been a better tight end room. But defensive line depth is a question. Linebacker depth is a question. And I think we've got questions uh, to answer in special teams with the new punter uh, and the secondary. So those are – the depth is my question, not so much the, the front line, whether they're first or second. I, but, but to get back to my point, 
Uh, I don't. I don't think. I don't think Georgia is undervalued. I, I think that. Um, I think they are more talented than everybody in the East, but they lack experience on defense. And I think that the other teams in the East have quarterbacks coming back um, that I think could make some of those games more challenging, maybe than they were a year ago. Mike, should be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be here before you know it. Of course, SEC Media Days right around the corner there as well. We thank you for sharing your opinion with us here today and. We'll certainly look forward to talking to you soon there also. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Have a good one. All right. Good stuff there from uh, Mike Griffith. We'll get our SEC through here coming up in just a moment. But before we do that, I do want to get ready to bring in a uh, special guest here. We'll bring him in ahead of our SEC through because I don't want to keep him waiting. That's uh, former Georgia running back Keith Marshall. And we'll kind of keep some of this conversation going with Keith because when you talk about depth and you talk about chance to to make a uh, big impact in the field here this year, obviously one of the spots that you have a great chance to do that is the running back position. If you heard yesterday's show, we talked about what might be uh, available for the Georgia running backs here this year in terms of some pretty rare statistical error they could achieve and obviously helping this Georgia offense take a big step forward again in year three of Todd Monk. And we think Georgia running backs lead the way in maybe being able to get that done. And one of the backs who we think of as you know getting his uh, chance to do that is obviously Kendall Milton, who's waited his turn and you know kind of recovered from some injuries and really has that spotlight shining on this upcoming year as what has a chance to be a great year for him and obviously also taking advantage of some of the really cool new nil opportunities that are out there also and creating opportunities for fans as he does that and that's where the players lounge comes in and our next guest is not just himself former very good georgia running back but also a uh one of the, the important people there with the uh, players lounge there as well it's former georgia running back keith marshall here on the program here today keith thanks for being back with us congratulations on the continued success that the Players' Lounge is enjoying. you obviously a big part of getting that up and running. So we're excited about hearing what the cool things you have going on. And obviously, I know we're all looking forward to the start of the season, which is going to be here before you know it. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. First and foremost, it's always good to talk to, you know, the BGD family. Um, and, you know, super excited about the things we're doing with the Players' Lounge. Obviously, we have the Kendall Milton experience um, coming up here soon, and we're excited to talk more about that. And then we have some other things in the pipeline for the for the UGA community uh, as we move into the season. Yeah, the website's theplayerslounge.io. That's the place you can go to find out about the really fun Kendall Milton driving experience. We're going to talk more about the specific details about how folks can kind of bid for their chance to to be a, a part of that. That's a really, really cool thing. We'll give you all the details on that here coming up in a couple of minutes. But before that, if you don't mind, let me talk about Milton on the field here, the position you know well, the running back spot. To me, we said this a lot on yesterday's show, that this is a position where – even as much success as George and Jordan kind of a national championship year last season there's actually I think a step forward this group can take this year obviously we know that Kendall's been kind of binding his time on that and trying to get healthy again and kind of have the spotlight sort of on him in a bigger way Kenny Mm -hmm. McIntosh in that there as well you obviously know this position really well given your history there at Georgia what do you think of the outlook for Georgia at the running back spot here going into the season uh, obviously, like, you know, to your point, I'm excited about it. I think there's an opportunity to take a step forward. You know, those guys have been in the system now for, you know, two and three years. They've gotten some playing time and experience. Um, as far as, you know, raw physical ability, when you look at Kendall, I mean, he has everything you would want, strong, fast, uh, good balance, breaks tackles. And so I think it's really just going to come come to the point where it's time to put all that together and go and go show it when, when the lights come on. Um, and then McIntosh is a guy that I feel like has been extremely underrated over the last few years. Um, you know, I've said this multiple times, but he may be, one of the most natural runners is as far as his feel and flow for, you know, how to get behind defenders, how to read his blockers, uh, you know, attacking the soft shoulder and things like that. Um, so it's just extremely natural runner. So I'm excited for him to get the opportunity to get some more touches as well. I think one of the things that is maybe different for this group now compared to like Georgia running backs of the recent past is, is that all of a sudden there's a much more potent passing attack here at UGA. You know, guys like Brock Bowers are, you know, real targets when it comes to catching the football. And we think that Georgia wide receivers have a chance to take a step forward this year as well. And I think maybe in the old days, we sort of thought of, hey, you run the football to set up the pass, but gosh, in college football in 2022, I'm not quite so sure the opposite isn't true. That the teams that have respectable passing games just create wide wider running lanes for the running backs and it seems like Keith and obviously you know you know more about this than I do having played the position but it seems like to be a running back in an offense where the passing game has to be respected all of a sudden that makes your job a whole lot easier doesn't it 
Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, you're pulling some of those defenders out of the box. Uh, you know, they have to they have to affect the downfield, downfield, excuse me, pass plays. And so, um, you know, that definitely opens up those running lanes, as you alluded to. I mean, if you think back to, uh, you know, 2012, 2013, when we really had, you know, when I was involved and we had those things going, we had a great passing attack. And you know, we did a lot of play action pass. And that's, you know, got us those, that vertical passing game that opened up those, those uh, you know, running lanes for those big touchdowns we were breaking back in the day. So I think you're absolutely spot on. We have the receivers out wide now. Obviously, Stetson's proven. Um, you know, so we have the, all the pieces to be able to stretch the field and open up those lanes for Kendall and McIntosh and the rest of the back to take advantage of. Before we get into what specifically Kendall has going on through the Players' Lounge and the creative ways in which the Players' Lounge is making things fun for players and fans alike, I'm curious your perspective on this, that it seems like off-seasons now for players are maybe different than they've ever been before, where they've just got more considerations. These are all good things. You know, is this the right program for me? Is this the, you know, the NIL opportunities I'm taking advantage of? How am I maximizing my potential on that? But obviously in the midst of that, you don't want to lose sight if you're a player of, hey, going out there and maximizing my potential on the field so these opportunities keep regenerating themselves, you know, year after year. As someone who understands what it means to be a player, but also understands, you know, players wanting to take advantage of all the opportunities that are available to them today. How do you think this time of year, the summer, the off season, how do you think that's changed for players in light of all the change that we see taking place around college football right now? Um, you know, that's something I'm actually interested to see play out over the next couple of years. Um, you know, my, my perspective is you're basically, you know, these kids are professionals earlier now. And, and I think even when I was back and playing before NIL and the transfer portal, I think, you know, from a demand and with the coaches and with the programs we're asking from us, you know, was at the same level that you were expecting at professional, um, you know, the professional level. But now it's different because you're managing your personal brand and you're able to elicit opportunities to monetize that and, um, you know, take advantage of the, the opportunities there and then make sure you're in the best position, you know, from, a, you know, being transferred to one school versus the other. Um, you know, these are all things that these kids are having to, you know, kind of balance now that we didn't have the ability to. So I certainly think to add some complexity uh, to your point, I think it's a good problem to have. And over over the course of the next couple of years, I'm sure, you know, some of the, the wild, wild west is what we're calling it right now. Some of that will phase out and it will become more structured so that everybody understands exactly how to navigate this new space. So one of the cool things that's coming up is the Kendall Milton driving experience. And if folks check out the website, theplayerslounge.io, they can learn more about how they can bid for an opportunity on this. But I want to read from the site because I just think this is a great way to describe this. It's UGA Legends, an open track, the ultimate driving machine, and you in the driver's seat. It, it sounds like so much fun. And, you know, Keith, this is one of the things that we've talked about here a lot is that, hey, you know, there are a lot of like media fan types like, like, like us on this show that are having to try to make sense of all the new stuff that's out there. But one of the things that's undeniably true is the NIL opportunities that exist for players are also creating a level of access for fans that would not have existed before. And I think that's unquestionably a really good thing in in including this experience here where if you're a verified member of the DGD Mafia, meaning if you're a part of what's already going on there at the uh, Players' Lounge, we'll talk about how folks can do that. You can also bid for a chance to, to you know be a part of this with Kendall. And so... Describe a little bit about what this experience is going to be like, and we'll kind of give some more of the details here about just the chance to drive a really cool car, be around some former dogs, current dogs, and everything else in between. This seems like a really amazing experience. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about what Kendall's got going on here? Absolutely. So, you know, with to your point about, you know, the advent of NIL and then kind of this Web3 craze that's taken on it, you know, part of the, what we wanted to do with this platform was really create um, an ecosystem that allowed players to interact with fans in a way that was ultimately authentic to them. Um, and so Kendall came to us. He said he's a motorsport fan. You know, he loves cars. Um, and we had some relationships with BMW. So we took the idea to BMW. And we said, hey, why don't we do a partnership? We bring Kendall out. Um, we'll raffle off some NFTs and bring some people of our community out. You know, it'll be good PR for you. It'll be an awesome opportunity for Kendall to do something that he's really excited about, something that he loves. Um, and then we can also, you know, continue to build his is, uh, you know, brand because we can pull some of these fans in and let them share that experience with them. Um, so when you talk about the opportunity that these NIL space provides for not just the athletes, but also for the fans, I mean, you know, we're excited to see, you know, ultimately, you know, what, what, um, how this all plays out. But as a fan to go, you know, spend a day on the racetrack with the star Georgia running back, um, get to spend time talking to him, getting to know him outside of just, you know, what you see on the field. 
Um, I think it's a dream come true for the super fan. So uh, we're, we're excited to see how this thing works out. It's June 26. That's the date the event takes place. And you mentioned this. It's so true. Is there anything that uh, is more connected right now, at least in my mind, than really good football players and really nice cars? It just seems like a lot of the recruiting pictures that you're seeing coming out of some of the official visits that are taking place this time of year, you're seeing a lot of those cars prominently used as props and some of that. I know a lot of the football players across the country are celebrating their own NIL deals with vehicles and things like that and the fact that mm-hmm. Kendall gets a chance with some fans to drive one of these really nice BMW vehicles as a part of uh, his experience it just seems like right now there is a pretty strong bond there probably always has been but I guess we're just more aware of it now a very strong bond right now between really good football players and really nice and really fast in most cases cars well I think you know growing up just being a part of culture and following you know hip-hop oh, and, yeah. and, and you know athletics you know cars are a big part of that everybody wants a nice car and so when you get to the position where you finally get some money, you know, I'm thinking back to my time in the NFL, a lot of guys, first thing they go do is get a nice car. Um, you know, I fall in that category. That's the yeah. one thing I did buy. And so uh, I, I, I agree 100% that now that these kids are getting paid earlier, they'll probably be driving around um, in some, some nice cars. And, you know, you could, that begs the question, is that the best use of money? But, hey, if you work hard and you do the right thing, sometimes I think you get to treat yourself. So um, I think it's a great thing. All right, so let me make sure we have all the specific details on this. So the first and foremost, if you want to be a part of this bidding opportunity, you've got to be a member of the Players' Lounge first and foremost. So remind folks how they uh, get into the DGD Mafia and get their chance to do this. Obviously, the website, theplayerslounge.io. But if you want to bid on this opportunity, because one person is going to get a chance to be with Kendall in the car, and they're going to be, what, four other folks. You also get a chance to uh, be paired with UJ Letterman and a surprise special guest. They're going to get their chance to, to be in, in a car with somebody pretty cool there as well but for folks who want to bid on this what is the specific process they need to go through to be able to do that absolutely so if you go to our website as you mentioned playerslimes.io uh, you click on our marketplace um if you're not a member you can go grab a dgd which basically serves as your ticket in order to participate in our community there's some on the marketplace now for very respectable prices um and then you tell you, you click the uh, subscription button or that you're interested in um, you know, being a part of the auction, which will actually take place on the 19th. So the auction will take place this Sunday. Okay. Um, and then you'll get added to our email campaign and we'll blast you with all the relevant information to make sure you're set up and ready to participate uh, come the 19th. And of course, that DGD, that's the NFT that uh, the Players Lounge is going to put out here, that DGD token. That's how, what, that's how you get into this club here. And of course, in addition to the uh, fun stuff coming up with Kindle, you guys have got great stuff going on all the time there as well. Yes, sir. I mean, there's some other things that are on the pipeline. People, when you go to CPL and you see the experiences page, you'll see some of the other things that we have planned for some of our other athletes that are part of the Players Lounge. So, you know, this is just the first of many. Well, uh, Keith, it's great to hear about the cool things you got, guys. You guys got going on. Congratulations on your continued success with this. I know this was a big vision that you had, and it seems like it's certainly playing out almost exactly like you imagined it probably would. This sounds like a great experience there with uh, Kendall Milton. And so folks have a few more days to kind of get in and get their bid in before uh, that kind of closes out and then getting a chance to be a a part of this great event there at the uh, BMW uh, driving experience there, uh, the BMW Performance Center in uh, Greer, South Carolina. So that's going to be a uh, really, really fun thing. Exciting things coming up there on that. So theplayerslounge.io, that's the place to go to find out more about that. Keith, thanks for being here here today. Uh, Best of luck as these type of events continue to roll on. We'll look forward to hopefully getting a chance to talk to you very soon as well. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. Always enjoy it. Good stuff there from Keith Marshall. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. And I think the thing that uh, Keith talks about there is just a really natural thing. It's like, hey, you know, you grow up, you're watching maybe – of course, in this day and age, you're watching those highlights on YouTube or something like that. But back in my day, you know, you're, you know, kind of watching, you know, games on television. But you may also be kind of flipping through that car magazine there as well. And you've got like, you know, this dream for what your football careers look like, but the dream for what your garage would look like if you were going to have that football career. That there probably always has been that deep connection with, hey, part of the uh, way in which I show off my success is that really cool car that I'm able to go out there and get. And so it's kind of fun to have an experience like this with the BMW, with Kendall Milton and the stuff going down there with the Players Lounge. Check out the website, theplayerslounge.io, and you can learn uh, a lot more about that. With that said, we'll get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Obviously, a great time for you to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation right now. And listen, back in February, I had a chance to be on one of those seven-day cruises on one of those Oasis-class ships. Uh, I was on Harmony of the Seas, beautiful ship. 
And I, I got to tell you, when you think about all of the great options that are available to you when you're on one of these great Royal Caribbean cruise vacations, in fact, if you're watching right there, you see the Aqua Theater on the back of the ship. This is like one of those things that years ago you wouldn't have even been able to imagine having on a cruise ship, but is there for you now where you see like the high diving shows and you experience the level of entertainment that comes on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. This is one of the things that I think Royal Caribbean is really trying to make one of the hallmarks of its of its brand here setting a standard for how much enjoyable entertainment not just any vacation the kind of thing that's grand and really big and the entertainment options on a royal caribbean cruise ship i think certainly go a long way towards showing you just how cruise uh, true that is so it's your time right now to uh, get involved here our friends the cruise and vacation authority can help you do that if you find them online tcava.com that's the website tcava.com you can also give them a call 770-952-8300 770-952-8300 they'll get you going and get you set up on the perfect royal caribbean cruise vacation for you as we head towards the uh, summer so on the heels of janelle aguero visiting georgia this past week you saw kind of the frankly odd photo of uh kirby smart putting the crown on his head as he visited uj this past weekend seems like georgia's in probably a pretty good spot for aguero right now but aguero is also set to take that visit to florida there too so there's a little bit of competition for him there uh yeah, you see a little social media stuff that the uh, visit for Aguero actually starting right now in the middle of the week. That's a little different than what you normally see. But Aguero there in uh, Gainesville going through that visit. And obviously, Aguero's a really good player, and it seems like Georgia's in a really good spot here. And I think it also kind of speaks to, you know, how does he fit into, like, the conversation with Caleb Downs. He's another player that just recently visited UGA and others. But obviously competition here a bit when it comes to Georgia for Aguero with Florida getting its chance to him. We showed you the other day some not quite so pleasant food that Florida appeared to be serving some of its recruits. So I'm sure they'll try to put a better foot forward for Aguero on his visit. And so we'll have to listen to how, see how that goes. But the online chatter would lead you to believe right now that Georgia's in a pretty good spot for Aguero. We'll see if that continues to be the case. Something else in the SEC that I think is worth your attention. I saw where Arkansas has made it clear that when the league goes to uh, an expanded schedule, or at least possibility of an expanded schedule, certainly expanding the league, bringing in Texas and Oklahoma, that Arkansas wants to play Texas every single year. And I think it's kind of cool that Arkansas is stepping up in this regard in kind of a very non-passive aggressive way. You know, sometimes the way in which Texas, Texas A&M relate to each other, you're led to believe, you know, do they really want to play each other? And why can't they just kind of come out and say, yes, we want to play anytime, anyplace, anywhere? There always seems to be a lot of posturing when Texas, Texas A&M, when those two rivals talk about each other. But in the case of Arkansas, which has had some success against Texas, some of the bigger wins in recent program history have come against the Longhorns. There's very little of that passive aggressive posturing here. There is simply just a statement of, yeah, we want to play Texas here. And it's easy to understand why that's the case. And I think my perspective on Arkansas has changed a pretty good bit because of two things. A, Sam Pittman now being head coach. But B, I was there in 2020. That was a pandemic year. It was the first pandemic game. So things were obviously very strange. But when you're there, when you participate in that, what you're left to conclude is, you know, Arkansas really is a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a sleeping giant necessarily, but it's the kind of SEC team that way down here in the southeast corner of the Southeastern Conference, we probably don't think about Fayetteville as much as maybe we should because it just feels so far away. And as the league footprint expands and it takes a little bit more of a western direction, you know, west western gravitational pull, I think Arkansas rightly views this as a real opportunity for it. That all of a sudden it's bringing you know teams into the league that have a little bit more of a traditional rivalry with the Hogs. This is a way of giving Arkansas, I would say, a little bit more of a of a brand, a little bit more of a, you know a level of attention, maybe even a level of prestige that it did not have before. I mean, I think of all the teams that stand to gain because of the entrance of Oklahoma and Texas into the SEC, especially the entrance of Texas. I think it's Arkansas because all of a sudden now you've got a handful of teams that are true geographic rivals for you. And the league's probably not going to one of those, you know, quadrant or pod type things. But when you think about, you know, Texas A&M and Texas and Oklahoma, you know, those teams that are moving in here, they're a lot geographically closer to uh, Arkansas than they are most of the rest of the SEC. Being able to establish some real authentic rivals, not kind of you know, made up rivalries, I, I think that's probably the kind of thing that Arkansas probably views as pretty good for itself. And that's why you maybe hear them speaking out in much the same way they are. Uh, one final SEC through story I want to get to you here. 
So I saw where Keyshawn Butte, the LSU wide receiver, who at one point in time, it wasn't even obvious that Butte was going to play for LSU. And at one point seemed to be kind of on the outs of the program. He's now coming back and he's been kind of battling injury. And so he's back to kind of running full speed again, recovering and getting ready to play for the upcoming season. And I don't have to tell you, I think you already know this, that we are very much around here jury out on how good of a coach Brian Kelly is going to be at LSU. Kelly is obviously been a very good coach at Notre Dame, took him to the playoff twice. But man, the challenge in the SEC is just far different. And fitting in as outsider trying to come inside the SEC, that is not always an easy thing to do. And everyone who's tried that has certainly not succeeded. Kelly's ego, does it get in his way of being able to do that? Well, we don't know. But one of the key indicators could end up being how Butte performs this year. The fact that, you know, considered leaving chose not to has been a very good player but kind of kind of one foot in one foot out on the program you know can kelly win with him in other words can kelly win him over get who very well may be the most talented player on the roster can he get full buy-in from him and if he can there could be a little bit of a compound interest on that where all of a sudden there's a higher level of buy-in across the roster overall so as you're kind of formulating your opinions on certain sec teams as you're sort of to the extent that you follow this stuff closely as you're kind of trying to figure out those unanswered questions watch for kelly and his relationship with Butte here watch the way in which that formulates and look at that as maybe an indication of just how much kelly's making himself home at home at baton rouge right now that could be a little bit of a, a measuring stick for how all that's going we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean i'll also tell you about my friends at the finish long drink here there as well i gotta tell you right now it is so hot and anything i can do to cool myself off makes me very happy right now and a nice ice cold beverage goes a long way towards being able to do that and that's where my friends of the finished long drink step in because nice cold can i got one of those coolers that kind of keeps the cans really really cold i love like when you feel like the cold it's so cold it kind of hurts i i uh i like that kind of cold when it comes to my drinks and that's what the finished long drink can provide for you there as well now you may be thinking can that means it's a beer but it's not it's a ready to drink cocktail that comes in a can it means you pop the top you enjoy it, you can pour it in a glass whatever you want to do uh ice cold and refreshing on a very hot day whether it's the long drink traditional which is the gin kick the the grapefruit flavor that's a blue can you want the long drink zero that's no carbs no sugar long drink strong that's eight and a half percent alcohol by volume i know some of y'all like that and of course the long drink cranberry there as well which is obviously the cranberry flavor there's all kinds of great long drink options for you and you can decide which one's the best for you by going to the longdrink.com put in your zip code and you can find out where you can pick some up today. You can also maybe find out where you can try one of those eight-can variety packs. That's two different cans of each of the four long drink varieties. I think you'll really like the finished long drink. So uh, get some more if you've already tried it or get some for the first time. If you haven't, thelongdrink.com. You can find out where to do just that. So quick message here to my wife, Gina. Happy 20th anniversary. Today we celebrate. I'm very excited about that. I want to say a quick hello to her on that. Also, golden shoe time. One of our regular commenters, Matt Rukavina, sent this picture to me here. He's dog in Houston on Twitter. First of all, I've got this shirt. You've seen me wear this before. Matt writes in, I see your Royal Caribbean cruise to Bahamas. I'm going to raise you this pirate ship tour in Port Isabel in Texas. This is not quite the same, but dog sea to shining sea. Boy, it's great to see. And by the way, gives you the hashtag golden shoe there, which is great. Great to see Matt enjoying himself. Great to see all of you having summer fun right now. Little UGA theme, tropical attire. Nice looking uh, waterfront there. Listen, anytime you can get yourself into a boat on the water, I think you're doing something right this time of year. So good for Matt on that. Congratulations on winning the golden shoe. By the way, Gator Hater Updater, about 4,906 days since they have won a national championship. And Gator Hater Countdown, 136 days from right now. Dogs beating up on Florida again. We'll see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. And the podcast, I'm out of the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take your comments here on Twitter. You can send those to me at Dog Nation Daily or in our comments section when we post the show at DogNation.com. I want to go back to one of the comments from when I was on vacation last week for some of our pre-recorded shows. We talked about the way in which, hey, you know, Auburn, Brian Harson, and Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins probably find themselves coaching Georgia rivals and also kind of fighting for their jobs here in 2022. Similar situation to what other coaches have been 
during the Kirby Smart era. It has not been a very good time to be the head coach of a rival to UGA. Dan Mullen fired at Florida. Jim McElwain fired at Florida before that. Gus Malzahn fired at Auburn. Tennessee gone through three head coaches during the Smart tenure here. And Smart's the man writes in at uh, dognation.com to say Kirby absolutely had a lot to do with Mullen and Malzahn getting canned. He said Malzahn had a very respectable record against Saban, but Kirby almost always had his number. Kirby exposed Mullen as uh, and the genius myth and totally outclassed Mullen as a coach. I agree on both those fronts. It's kind of funny that Gus Malzahn actually had a lot more success against Nick Saban than he did against Kirby Smart, something that most folks would have perceived at the time of being more difficult to do. Uh, but somehow Malzahn found a way to beat Saban, beat him three times from 2013 through 2019, and yet uh, rarely ever beat Kirby Smart at all. And ultimately, uh, probably lost his job for that as much as anything else. And in terms of exposing the myth, boy, it is so true. And it's amazing how this time a year ago we were hearing so much about, you know, the, the genius of Dan Mullen and the fact that, you know, Kirby may be a better recruiter, but Mullen was a better, you know, decision maker during games. And I think this Martin did blow that myth up. And unfortunately, if you're a Collins or a, or a Harson, once again, you know, coaches on the hot seat at uga rivals you may find having to deal with kirby smart once again not very not very favorable for your job security good comments there for sure thank you for being here for our rs andrews podcast cool down today y'all check out rs andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing electric needs they will show up on time uh, they'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised you can uh, trust them on that today getting that ac tuned back up to factory fresh specs so you can stay nice and cool all summer long rsandrews.com for more on that hope you all have a great day we'll see you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by breda pest management we will look forward to talking to you then